Welcome to the Agora Network Ministries podcast, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our host, Evan Roars Dodge, shares practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and the stigma inside the walls of the church. Our hope is that through informative interviews with leading mental health professionals and people in the field, and through the stories of healing and transformation, you will find that hope and healing can be found in body, soul, and spirit. To learn more, go to agoranetworkministries.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to another episode of Hope for the Agora. I'm your host, Evan Dodge. Today is a really special episode. We have a one-of-a-kind, awesome guest today. We have the co-founder of Agora Network Ministries, Bonnie Gallant. Bonnie, would you say hi? I will. Hi, Evan. That's quite the introduction, I might say. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you how much money Alan paid me to say that. Oh, um, I hope he paid me for doing this, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Bonnie, it's so good to have you here and have some conversation today. We're going to talk about caregiving, and you're you're going to share some bits of your story of being a caregiver for uh, for Alan. We're going to talk about what caregiving is, um, best practices for caregiving. But Bonnie, before we get into that, why don't you? I mean, I'm probably many of our listeners are familiar with you and Alan, but. Um, Tell us a bit about yourself. What have you been and what you've been up to lately? Oh, well, then let me see. Well, I was born and raised in the Maritimes um, on the lovely island of Cape Breton. So I'm proud to be a Cape Bretoner, that's for sure. I was raised in a Christian family and came to faith actually as a young girl, but not until I was probably a young teenager that I really realized what salvation meant and that it really was um, my decision, not a decision to make to please my parents. So that I really consider my faith journey started then. Um, Alan and I met at a very young age and we're married really young. So we have our 40th wedding anniversary coming up this July. It's crazy. And God blessed us with five children and four of our five kids are married and we have eight grandchildren, seven of which are boys and only one girl. So Needless to say, she is the princess, and I am loving every moment spending with her. Most of our married life, I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, in the year 2000, we moved to Ontario, and I actually entered into the funeral profession. And that was in 2000, and actively worked in the funeral profession for 18 years. And now I will say I'm retired, and some of it was because of the circumstances that we've had to um, go through. But while in the uh, funeral profession, I actually was on this, I kind of started right from the greeter, the receptionist, office work, and then went into sales and tending to families after a death and looking after them with estate documents and those kinds of things. So it was a pretty heavy workload. So now I'm a nanny staying at home. I get to watch my uh, grandkids two days a week and have put my hat into the wedding field and I do uh, wedding hair for my daughter's company. So that's lots of fun from one complete extreme from funerals to weddings. Yeah, but it's great. Wow. You're like just immersed in these major life moments, right? 
Yeah, sometimes just, it feels that way. A, wow. Wow, that's incredible. Well, Bonnie, you made mention of your being a caregiver. Yes. Um, it takes some time when uh, when Alan was dealing with his uh, his health crisis. So mm-hmm. can you share a bit about that story and uh, what it was like being a caregiver? And maybe first of all, as you share that story, you could define what a caregiver is from, from your experience and perspective. Okay. Well, you know what? That's kind of a a tough one to even answer. I'm still trying to figure out what a caregiver is. And I'll tell you one thing, once you are, you always will be. That's what I'm finding. Uh, It's those moments when I know when Alan really needs me, um, when I need to step up to the plate a little bit more, or maybe even step back of, because being a caregiver is completely draining on yourself. So when to know when my limit has reached its peak and when to be able to step back. So being Alan's caregiver while he had the stroke and being in the hospital was completely different than being his caregiver after his mental health breakdown. In the hospital, of course, I had the extra support of the nurses and and the staff there, though he was in the hospital for two weeks and I could not leave his side. He wouldn't let me leave. And at that point, we didn't have an idea that he was starting to have a mental breakdown at that point. We just thought it was the stroke and not wanting to be alone. Looking back now, we put all those pieces together and understand what was really taking place. And I can remember just wanting and longing just to go home to my own bed. There were moments I slept at the foot of his bed like a cat, literally, because that's all the only place I had to sleep. And plus, I got to sleep in a ward with three other men. So that was really exciting. <laughs> oh, dear. But um, it was tough. And then I, I ended up having to take a leave of absence from work because I, I couldn't do, you know, I had to be with Alan literally 24-7. I couldn't even go get groceries. Everything, he depended on me for everything. Um, went to eat because he wasn't eating. He really struggled with uh, hygiene. And that is completely opposite to my husband. Cause if you knew, know him, cleanliness is right up there. And, you know, I would have to encourage him to get in the shower. And when he did, he just cried getting in the shower or, or shave or change his clothes. So it was a constant, you know, you're looking after yourself, but you're also looking after the complete personal needs of my husband. And then because he this was after the stroke and when we got home and, and, and that spiral of his mental health just literally um, plummeting because he was, I would find him in the corner of the house rocking, um, watch triggers happen and knowing what was going to take place. <clears throat> and so just trying to find that strength to, to help him navigate through that, but I also would get very frustrated because I would ask him what was wrong and he could never tell me what was wrong. And then to be quite frank, Evan, there was times I almost felt angry because I thought I'm doing all this and you're not telling me what's wrong so that I can help you. And of course he wasn't sleeping. um, And then I wasn't sleeping because Alan was going through suicidal thoughts and, and wishes to be quite frank. And so that was that fear of, if he did something while we were, while I was asleep. So it was a, a long, hard journey to say the least. Um, Even in asking him, you know, just tell me what's going on. 
And all he would say to me is that I feel like there's a hundred balloons up in the air and I can't even pick one. So there was no way that he could even articulate that. And um, I never went through anything like this. I've never seen anyone else go through this. So I didn't know how really to be the caregiver other than, you know, be there for him. Um, and I didn't really even reach out to anyone to ask, how am I supposed to do this? There was a point where I did get a hold of some men in um, our circle um, and said, you need, you need to come, you need to help me. I, I don't know what else to do with him. And they were so gracious. They would come and take Alan for a walk. Mind you, he was usually sick on his walk because he threw up constantly. And, um, but anyway, it was a bit of a reprieve for myself just to have a few moments of not having to tend to him. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, but there you go. Boy, that's, yeah. There's a lot there, Bonnie. When you were talking, one of the things that came to mind, which you, you started to uh, entertain at the, at the, at the end of, of that, um, was what happens when the caregiver needs a caregiver? Exactly. And, um, and and I heard you had some people you could call on who mm -hmm. could come and give you some reprieve. But um, and I appreciate your vulnerability and honesty because having having, um, you know, I've had a couple uh, one health crisis. I had Guillain-Barre syndrome a few years ago, which left me paralyzed. Oh. And it was in the hospital and rehab for about a month and then came home and slowly had to get back to where I was uh, prior um, but even in those short months, just seeing how, boy, being the caregiver like my wife was for me, yeah, wear you down so quickly, emotionally, mentally, physically, and uh, and, and I was nowhere near, you know, I was I was dealing with some physical effects which were would improve. I didn't mm -hmm. have the the you know the mental health right. uh, issues that Alan faced along with his his physical malady. So, um, but, but one thing I noticed, Bonnie, um, in that, and, but even more so watching others and journeying with others who are caregivers is just almost um, a feeling of guilt for feeling how they feel, right? So if a caregiver gets angry or frustrated or, um, you know, whatever, sometimes they feel guilty. Did you feel that? What were, what were some of the emotions that, that just you were facing as you were, as you were a caregiver? You know what? 100% Evan, I felt so guilty mm -hmm. because as much as you didn't want to show it, or I didn't want Alan to see that I was tired, I was frustrated and, and not just Alan, it was for my family and for my kids. Like I needed to be this strong one because they were watching their dad go through this. And of course, you know, we all look to dad and our husbands as the strong one. And all of a sudden they are the complete weaker vessel and you have to take that role it's number one it's foreign to us I think until I've realized how much strength you actually end up having when you're going through it um but oh I remember I can give you a little bit of a story of our grandson was born and they were having a shower for him and I was determined that I was going to go to this baby shower and I would literally constantly tell Alan, I'm going to this baby shower. I'm going to this baby shower. I gave him a good 10 days or more 
working up that I will not be home. But I remember just being so angry inside thinking, I don't care what happens to you. I know this is really being vulnerable right now, but that's how I felt. It was like, I need this. I'm going to go see my grandson and I need it to be among my peers. Though I remember when I walked into the the shower, how I felt. <clears throat> Everyone, sorry, whoa, one second. Everyone I loved was there. The support and the hugs and all of those things, the people that literally embraced me with this. And then the guilt came. It was like, what am I doing here? I need to be home with my husband. And my son-in-law, bless his heart, he stayed home with Alan and cared for him. And he would just text our daughter, Brianna, letting her know how Alan was doing, which wasn't very good. And then finally, Brianna said to me, Mom, we need to go home. And uh, I had that little break. It was good. And, and it was actually that day when I got home, he seemed to do better. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that's all I needed to do. I needed to leave him for him to know that he was going to be okay. And on the way home, he said, would you pick me up a chicken pot pie, like those awful 99 cents disgusting pot pies? which I did. I said, I'd buy him a case if I had to. Anyway, I came home, he ate it. And I thought, he's back. He's fine. I just had to go. And for him to know he was okay. But unfortunately, that was the night that everything literally plummeted. And that um, the fear, the anxiety, the suicidal thoughts hit its peak. And that the next day is when he ended up in the hospital. So. Um, but when he went into the hospital, that was a huge reprieve for me because then I knew he's getting the right help. It was far beyond what I could ever help him with. Um, visiting him wasn't the nicest thing. I can't say I enjoyed going into that part of a hospital. And it actually had some trauma effects afterwards when we went to visit someone else in the hospital two years after he was in there. Um, yeah, the guilt is really, it's real. And it's okay if it's, you know, it's okay to feel guilty because actually there's nothing to feel guilty for because you need to know to look after yourself. And I wasn't doing that. Yeah. Yeah. A, you can't give what you don't have. Yeah. My, my, I was completely depleted. Mm -hmm. I right. was, you know, when I finally tried to go back to work, um, I was now the main breadwinner. I worked 45 minutes from home. So I was traveling back and forth. Right. Our, our daughter took sick. My mom passed away. My dad was living on his own in Nova Scotia. So I was back and forth tending to him too. So yeah, I had nothing left to give to be his caregiver. Mm. Did you ever feel alone in the midst of all that? Completely. Mm. Yeah. Only because I think my personality, others may not feel alone, um, but I just felt I had to be the strong one. And I'll tell you, you know what, Evan, just, this just came to my mind. And I think this is what made me feel I had to be the strong one. Cause people would say to me, you're so strong. I couldn't do what you're doing. Mm. 
-hmm. And I believed that lie. I thought, oh, I must be strong. But why am I feeling like I'm feeling on the inside? Um, so because I thought I was so strong, I really didn't lean on, other than having these gentlemen come in to look after Alan, I didn't build the nucleus around me. Even though people say, call me, you need to go for a coffee. And I'm like, I can't even leave the house. How am I going to go for a coffee? Um, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't do that. And shame on me for not doing it. Yeah, I think one of the things that you said, Bonnie, that I think is so helpful that maybe some people need to hear is just giving permission to feel how you feel. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Angry, sad, happy, mad, um, you know, frustrated. Uh, it's how you feel is how you feel. It's okay. Yeah. And, and I have a niece that I'm I'm really close with. And there's just only about four years in the difference. And I remember, I, I mean, but she was... Um, she lived in New Brunswick and I remember calling her and literally weeping so desperately bad, but she was there for me. And like, she just kept saying, let it out. You know, God mm -hmm. hears all that. And I just remember the release of finally being able to literally wail bef before the Lord with exhaustion and just like, I don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember even at that point when, when Alan went into the hospital, my brother had called me and he said, how are things? And I said, not good. I said, Alan's been admitted into the hospital for mental health. Anyway, I said, I'll call you later. I went to call him and there was no answer. And I knew immediately he was on his way. And my, my brother and his wife drove up from New Brunswick and actually stayed with me and Wada. What a source. And I think too, right. being family, I just felt like I could open up differently. Sure. You no, know, and it was just, I think being in ministry, we put this um, guard around ourselves that we don't want to show our weakness. Mm. And mm -hmm. Through this journey, though, Evan, we've learned that weakness is a good thing and it's okay to show it. It gives permission to others to show theirs, and we can journey alongside of them. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break. I'll be right back with my guest, Bonnie Gillette. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Agora Network Ministries has something exciting to share with you, our listeners. Agora Network Ministries is excited about something new that is being offered beginning later in the summer. Beginning August 2023, Agora will be offering a special support line that you will be able to call. It won't be a crisis line, but rather a support line where you can call for prayer or help in finding resources. And it's because of your support that we could even hope to see this happen. This support line will help extend what Agora Network Ministries has to offer in support of the local church and community. More information will be coming soon, so keep an eye and ear out for it. And watch online at agoranetworkministries.com for more information. So let's get back to the podcast with Dr. Evan Dodge and Bonnie Gallant. Well, Bonnie, if what would you say 
drawing on your experience to someone who's a caregiver now, what would what would you like them to know? Well, I I'll kind of go a little bit, Evan. Before that was after about two years of looking after Alan and just dealing with the loss of my parents. We've gone through some uh, trauma and abuse within our family that um, had come out in all of that too. I actually crashed and burned myself as the caregiver and not knowing at the time how hard being a caregiver was on me. um, It was finally time that I needed to look after me and it was okay. Um, I remember one day at work calling my doctor and I always say my doctor has like this guard at the door. So I'm calling, wanting to talk to my doctor. And she said, and I'm bawling and crying and saying, I need help. And she said, oh, you come in on Wednesday mornings. That's the, the time for like mental health and things like that. And then I got angry again and I hung up and I thought I could still do this until finally at work. I remember saying to my boss, I can't do this anymore because I dealt with death every single day too. On top of all of this, caring for people who lost loved ones and helping them. And I said, I'm just crying all the time when I'm with my family. This is terrible. And he goes, no, people love to see your heart. Your heart's so real. And I went, Phil, I'm not crying for them. I'm crying for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm so completely burned out. And so that's when I knew it was time to see my doctor. So I went in, see my doctor. Um, at that point in time, she did put me on some medication because I needed it. And I thought, oh, wow, I can't believe I'm taking meds. But they, at that point, really, Evan, were what I needed. I was just completely at loss and completely burnt out. Um, I went for counseling through my job and then I went and did independent counseling for a while. And in that, I really learned a lot about myself. So I think being a caregiver is take the time to know who you are. And I ran my life most of the time, like an 18 wheeler, raising five children, being in ministry, you know, you looked after every missionary that came through the town, you cared for them, you know, you ran every program in the church, especially in smaller churches. Um, And through my counseling, I really learned that I'm more of a smart car, maybe not the word smart, but you know, small car. And now I'm knowing my capacity and my load. I took on way too much thinking I had to. And as a caregiver, you don't have to. Um, You have to learn to establish boundaries for yourself, learning the word no, and even maybe learning the word yes. Yes, I need help. Yes, you can bring a meal over. Yes, you can... You know, whatever the situation may be, the yes is just as important as the no, I can't do this. So I I had started to learn that. And so often we always say um, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, It also takes a village to come alongside someone who is going through, you know, being the caregiver or helping someone who is not well or going through some hard times. I read something yesterday that I really thought when I knew we were going to do this podcast, I thought, oh my Lord, this is awesome, Lord. You gave this to me today to be able to share this on this podcast. This is not mine. It came from someone else, but I I feel like I want to read it. Um, 
we talked about a girl who it was all over Facebook dove into the pool the coach noticed that she hadn't was taking too long to come up so this um this is what this lady wrote then afterwards and she goes this just resonated with me that the coach knew it was taking too long for her to come up when you are under too long who are the people who will look for you who will notice who will dive in to pull you to the surface when you lose your strength to swim who are the people that would do that for you and can someone count on you to be that person that you would go looking and notice when they're under too long diving in to support them when they're all out of fight and fuel to swim in the turbulent waters that we call life so it just meant so much to me it's like um every someone needs a someone to be able to be their arms and uh the encouragement when we're going through um some you know through hardships and to notice it and not to be afraid to come alongside someone. We don't have to sit and know everything. They don't even have to share all their inner heart. But even if we could just say, I'm here for you, if you need me. Oh, Bonnie, that's beautiful. And you you shared in that some of, some of the best practices, you know, for self-care boundaries, knowing when to say yes, when to say no, when to receive help. I mean, all those are so important and I, and I think given what you've been through there's a lot of weight behind what you say I mean you're giving people real permission mm-hmm. out of your own lived experience yeah. um, to especially for caregivers maybe to assuage some of that sense of guilt to say, <laughs> yes it's okay to get help to take a break yeah um, go get those- your nails done yeah, those practices are so important. So, sure. well, Bonnie, I want to thank you for this conversation. As 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 you started to share, um, I, I was reminded of a of a blessing that I'd love to kind of close with and share with our listeners. Um, John O'Donohue is a favorite of mine. He was a, a Catholic priest in Ireland. I ended up leaving the priesthood and became just a full time teacher and poet. And he wrote a blessing. It's called For One Who Is Exhausted. Oh, thanks. And his his way with words, and if you can imagine, I mean, he passed away 15, 16 years ago. He was in early, his early 50s. Oh. Um, uh, and he, too, had a journey with mental health struggles. Um, if you can imagine hearing this in an Irish brogue, I mean, his voice is just this beautiful cadence. And he has such an evocative way with words and imagery. Um, so I want to share this and maybe we'll put it in the show notes so people can find it online too. So this is a, for one who is exhausted, a blessing. When the rhythm of the heart becomes hectic, time takes on the strain until it breaks. Then all the unattended stress falls in on the mind like an endless increasing weight. The light in the mind becomes dim Things you could take in stride before now become laborsome events of will. Weariness invades your spirit. Gravity begins falling inside you, dragging down every bone. The tide you never valued has gone out, and you are marooned on unsure ground. Something within you has closed down, 
and you cannot push yourself back to life. You have been forced to enter empty time. The desire that drove you has relinquished. There is nothing else to do now but rest and patiently learn to receive the self you have forsaken in the race of days. At first, your thinking will darken and sadness take over like listless weather. The flow of unwept tears will frighten you. You have traveled too fast over false ground. Now your soul has come to take you back. Take refuge in your senses. Open up to all the small miracles you rushed through. Become inclined to watch the way of rain when it falls slow and free. Inhabit, imitate the habit of twilight, taking time to open the well of color that fostered the brightness of day. Draw alongside the silence of stone until its calmness can claim you. Be very, very gentle with yourself. Stay clear of those vexed in spirit. Learn to linger around someone of ease who feels they have all the time in the world. Gradually, you will return to yourself, having learned a new respect for your heart and the joy that dwells far within slow time. Wow. Uh, that's that, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, and it hits you right at the core and just nod along with every line having oh. walked that ground. Right. Absolutely. That was well, awesome. well, God bless you, Bonnie. Uh, thank you to our listeners and um, look forward to our next episode. Thanks again, Bonnie. Thanks, Evan. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you found it helpful and informative. We are always open to your comments and suggestions. You can contact us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. You can also go to our website for resources, information, and upcoming events. Just head over to agoranetworkministries.com. If you would like to support the work of Agora Network Ministries, including this podcast, you can find a link on our site. We appreciate your support. We pray that your week is blessed. Bye for now.